0: Welcome back to another episode of Aboutcast. It is me, Jordan. I'm excited to bring you back another episode and we're continuing on our track with Miyamoto Musashi and doing one of his last pieces of work called the Dokodo, which essentially means the path of walking alone. And so in this podcast, you'll hear about the 21 precepts of the Dokodo and how to live life in the way that Miyamoto Musashi imagined it would be the best for the future generation. So we'll learn about life. We'll learn about jealousy. We'll learn about regret. We'll of course learn about swordsmanship and the tools that you know, amazing. And all of that is in this app. So one thing that I want to address is one apologies for kind of being late on this. I had a whole bunch of life stuff going on. I was involved dating show. And it took about two weeks, and I was away from kind of my setup and everything. And it just wasn't right to record a few other things, which hopefully I'll be able to talk to you about that when the A clears up. And other than that, we're going to be hitting an episode of Musashi. Then we're going to do a leader analysis on Musashi here coming up soon. Now that we've kind of gone over a lot of his works historically throughout this podcast. So without further ado, let's hit it. So, like I just said, the Doku though is 21 concepts or um, axiom that Musashi wrote down and it fits, fills the rule book that we're missing in life that we don't get handed to us uh, when we're born. So starting with rule one or precept one is accept everything just the way it is. And for this precept, I think it is perfect the way that Musashi said it one, because there's a lot of background and contextual influences when it comes to this first precept. And especially since it's number one, you can imagine it's particularly important to put first. And the reason that I think it's here and what it actually means in a substantial way is that... In life, you have things that happen to you, either be uh, outwardly things or internal things, and uh, essentially, you need to have something called amor fati, which is something that Frederick Nietzsche coined, and I know you guys are rolling your eyes right now because I couldn't help bring this guy up again, and... uh, but essentially what it means is the love of one's fate in translated from Latin. And I think that this is perfect for this because what that mechanism does, and of course you need a dichotomy of this. And I think a Morfati, the perfect antithesis of that is almost eager self-destruction and the way of recreating your present and future Due to circumstances that happened in your past, either reflection of weaknesses or uh, adaptation of environment, things of that nature. But further on to the Amarfati, what it is is an amazing tool to let go of, which is one thing that you'll see in Yoko Do. here. It's about kind of eliminating desire or pleasure. Which is classic, being that Musashi was a Zen Buddhist, which one of their first things or tenets is essentially um, the way that the reason that suffering exists is because of desire. So the whole kind of nirvana is the elimination of suffering, which means the denial of desire. And so we can see a lot of this stuff coming out in the Doko, though, being that Musashi studied Buddhism for a large, large part of it. So going on to rule two, we have, do not seek pleasure for its own sake. Now, once again, you know, uh, you can see that this really, really rhymes with the first one. And especially in the context of Buddhism, where it is all about denial of desire, um, due to the fact that it pushes away the opportunity for suffering in principle, or kind of the Buddhist. And I think that this is also a really strong one, too, if you take it to kind of, you know, our thinking, especially if you're not necessarily staunch in the ways of Buddhism, especially like Zen Buddhism. But what I think it does is it's about not getting attached to emotion, or like emotionally attached to, and especially just for the sake of it. And I think that this is another perfect way of avoiding, um, you know, big tropes or holes in people's character, uh, especially when it comes to pleasure or pursuit of pleasure. And that's, you know, you guys have, will have heard, uh, you know, the classic book, the obstacles, the way and things of that nature that kind of point the direction in a different way. saying difficulty, is where you should be seeking, seek difficult, But anyway, so we have rule three or precept three, which is do not under any circumstances depend on a partial feeling. And I think this one it's quite interesting. And I think, you know, there's a few others that talk about the tool sets, uh, especially when it comes to being a warrior. But I think that this one is so in staunch Musashi's way of swordsmanship especially if you guys followed along with the last podcast where we broke down Musashi's book, The Book of Five Rings, which he did right before he did this. And a lot of his style has to do with just absolute decisiveness no matter what. And I think that, you know, liking this, you know, I was thinking about this one and, you know, translating it to experiences that I've had in my life it's like the classic so when learning about like basketball stuff like that you sometimes either like you know you will forget lapse, or slip in something and you'll kind of be floating in no man's land it's the perfect partial feeling of saying i think i'm over there but i'm also really sure and i might be going in two opposite directions in my mind or i should be in a different place and what my coaches would always say is you know if you're not sure where to go decide where to go at that moment and then go 100. So essentially that's, um, you know, a two-step mechanism of eliminating that partial feeling. So regardless of if you think you should be there or you, you know, you're going there, but you're not hundred percent sure. So you won't be going there as purposefully as you knew without a doubt you would be. If you execute it with 100% effort or speed or diligence in a sense, then that helps eliminate that partial feeling, which, is life and death when it comes to sword fights, but also gives you a large edge when it comes to conviction and resolve throughout daily life too. And long-term goals. So on number four, and this one I really enjoy, it's think lightly of yourself and deeply of the world. So essentially, I think that this is one of the amazing things if you are trying to about yourself and also kind of protect your ego um, throughout the world when it comes to things that you run into. So essentially the reason that I think that is because thinking lightly of yourself, it, um, saves you from getting, you know, ego deaths or essentially like pretty severe blows to, who you believe you are as a person and it also gives you the utmost runway to learn about the world because essentially what you're saying is that like musashi who used nature as his teacher throughout his samurai you know years and swordsmanship years he thought very deeply of the world so he learned from the streams and the mountains and the trees and the deer and all of those natural you know natural things but at the same time if he didn't think so deeply of the world he wouldn't have Hold certain things or aspects of movement or principles from the world if he didn't have this as detached from, you know, detached from himself as far as he can learn from everything because he's lowly and he has so much to learn. And then also thinking deeply of the world as something, infinite library of knowledge um, that you can learn from and then also adapt quickly to anything that slows you down in your long-term goals because you don't have that ego tied to yourself. So you'd be more willing to kind of make progress and risk small chances of winning and learning uh, with that principle. And so number five, we have be detached from desire your whole life long. And so of course, you know, this rhymes really, 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 really closely to the first couple that we had. And it is essentially classic Buddhism as far as you know denying desire will eliminate suffering in your life and i think that this is kind of just uh, plainly put that way and i definitely believe that if you uh, maybe that's an extreme way of looking at it but i think that's just right on point with his buddhist you know education and philosophy but there's definitely something to be said to limiting desire in a sense because i i like to say this a lot Um, and I think it makes a lot of sense, but essentially I say, you know, you don't race full greyhounds. And essentially what that means is that the, the way of getting the most done or being the most ambitious or the most passionate is with, with, you know, not fully satiating yourself, whether that be not fully satiating yourself with food or, you know, enjoyment, And stuff like that, you always want to keep an edge because I feel like that helps you push through life um, and through kind of the friction that you see in different things, whether it be, oh, I'm going to the gym today, um, but it's actually kind of rainy right now. And if you don't, if you're fully fed and you're, you're never used to going out in the rain, then that is actually going to be way more friction than if you said, you know, I always run to the gym, regardless of the temperature, regardless of the climate and a t-shirt. And so you're used to kind of the elements. And so I think that that is, um, you know, really closely tied to what I was just talking about right then. So in number six, it says, do not regret what you have done. And so once again, we're talking about an more fati type of thing where You eliminate regret with just, you know, being in love with your fate and destiny present and being present. And I think also this is super helpful, um, not only in normal life, but especially liking in it or liking it to what Musashi was going through as a swordsman. Um, When you do have regret, especially in like high stakes and quick... Uh, you know, quickly developing scenarios. Uh, your mind is on other things and it's a sunk cost. Whatever's happened is done. And what you should be utmost, utmost um, focused on is the present. And I think that that is kind of a um, reminder of always, always be focused on the present um, and be in love with your fate. Um, but of course, dichotomously um, also be passionately self-destructive and never be jealous is number seven. And I think that this is also another kind of tie to, uh, eliminating desire because jealousy is basically, um, a fruit of the root of the tree that desire comes from, I believe. And it is not, um, you know, saying some, seeing something you want and then seeing somebody else have it. I think that that's a classic, classically put that way. Um, of course, jealousy hurts you. Jealousy is a trap for, um, you know, eliminating opportunities of growth for yourself and things of that nature. But, um, once again, really holding strong to some of those, uh, Buddhist ties and removing desire. But anyway, so we're going on to eight, which is never let yourself be saddened by separation. And I think that this is another, I mean, I'm going to say this on the whole, but just because, you know, this person was affected so deeply by, Um, you know, that way of philosophy and religion. But I think that it is one of those things where you, when, when um, Musashi is talking about never let yourself be saddened by separation, it is this thing that uh, Siddhartha said, the creator of Buddhism, where, you know, something is never good nor bad. Um, The man that is experiencing it, or the human being that is experiencing it, actually likens good and bad to a situation. And, you know, separations happen, death happen. Um, and of course, Buddhism, um, you know, non-secular doesn't think this, but secular Buddhism believes that, you know, there will be a, a rebirth of everything like that. So you shouldn't be saddened about something that is natural. And I think that, you know, whether that's a separation of possessions, human beings, it is inevitable people come and go. And you have to be, you know, understand and accepting of the fate of nature in a sense. And I think that's what that's pulling on and being resilient as uh, one human being and not being too reliant on other other people as well. So number nine, we have resentment and complaint are appropriate neither for oneself or others. And this one I think is perfect just in the fact that it's essentially saying suck it up. And um, nobody wants to hear. Nobody wants to hear you complain. And of course, this is also lamenting kind of resentment and complaint. Also, I think our relationships or emotions that have relationships with kind of jealousy and regret saying that, you know, fully distance yourself from feeling regret, resentment and complaining. Because once again, just like jealousy, it's a waste of time, and there's nothing that can be good coming from complaining or being resentful. What you're doing is taking the opportunity away of you adapting from from that situation um, in the present by you thinking about it and in, uh, in resentful or you know um, in com- in a comedy way. So we have number ten, which is do not let yourself be guided by the feeling of love or lust. So essentially. I think that this one is saying kind of, um, you know, avoid desire again. And the reason that love and lust, I think, are super important is because it has such an adverse effect to your judgment, whether it be you know, the way that you pursue your goals or what you believe your freedom is worth or your reputation, um, those all can be easily affected by love and loss. Uh, this is another way of distancing yourself and being fully autonomous. So we have number 11 now, which I think is pretty badass. Is something that I talked about in the Book of Five Rings as well, that Musashi says, and this one is saying, all things have no So, of course, this is specifically probably talking about swordsmanship, but also everything in in the fact that there is an essence of strong, strong practicality with And especially in swordsmen, when you are fighting people, one of the things that he notices or uh, talks about a lot is taking the time to have no preference, whether it be, you know, what hand you use, which sword with, short and long sword in his case, or um, other things. It is super important not to have preferences in the fact that you are limiting your ability to adapt to certain. If you don't, or if you do have preferences that you um, knowingly build, or even if you don't you're not knowingly building them, uh, those preferences can still limit you and your out adapt or react to. And so we have 12, which is being different to where you live. Once again, Musashi was uh, quite a nomadic man. And this also has to do with kind of the desire uh, you know, wanting to live, and, you know, be work for an amazing daimyo that pays you a huge salary, which Musashi did do on his life that we'll talk about later in leader analysis podcast that we'll be doing about him. But also that, you know, you should always, always avoid desire. in And I think that, um, or even in the fact of, kind of don't be hurt by separation, whether it be like we we're talking about person, place, or thing. So once again, avoiding the desire, we're still on this Buddhism tip. 13 is do not pursue the taste of good food. And this is essentially another one of those desire things where you know, if you just constantly pursue the taste of good food, um, your morale is going to be hit when, you know, you're not tasting that good food. And so it's about resiliency and avoiding suffering by denying desire. So 14, we have do not hold on tip is no longer need. And we'll see this once again in a different one in number 16 as well. But essentially this is just saying that you must be practical. And, and once again, like the classic saying that I love to say is the Fight Club reference that Edward Norton say, says, or I think this is actually, um I guess they're both Edward, Spoiler alert, but Brad Pitt, he says something about um, essentially the things you own, owning you. And I think that's a perfect of that being that the possessions that you no longer need aren't doing anything but owning you. And so the moment that you don't need this thing but you still carry it around, that thing owns you. And uh, Musashi is saying, "Be wary of that and be very very practical with the things that you carry." And of course, what that also means is be skilled in the, that you carry as well. So, number 15 is do not act following customary belief. And I think that this is, you know, something saying, you know, think for yourself, be open-minded. And especially when you know, approaching things in your own way, you have to think about things in a manner of new discovery and experimentation to effectively execute on something that is holistically you in solving a problem. So number 16 is do not collect weapons or practice with weapons on what is useful. So once again, we're talking about, um, you know, getting rid of things um, when they no longer suit the need. So I think this is a classic one where, you know, Swordsman and Musashi has seen a lot of people in a lot of ways of war, whether it be the staff, whether it be the drawing pole, whether it be the two swords, anything like that. Of course, Musashi, Musashi's favorite, which is the wooden sword. um, It is all about practicality and being, you know, being stripped of desire, whether it be the desire to have all of the weapons stems from a a place of practicality percent. So, 17 is do not fear death. And so, I think that there's uh, two ways of looking at this. One, Musashi was a warrior his entire life, so fearing death would hinder him in the execution of the things he needs to do. Uh, Two, it could be a kind of a hearken to his Buddhism, but I'm not so sure about this point. Um, and of course I'm referring to Buddhism and its way of re um, but I'm not too sure about this point because there's no, there's nothing else when it comes to, you know, that quick brief segment right there. But I think essentially, this is also talking about the separation of the things as far as the separation of you and your life. You know, all things, especially natural things like that should be accepted fully. And I think that's what Musashi is talking about. Why be scared of this natural happening? It, it doesn't make much sense to be honest. And it also means that you're not going to be regretting or resent complaining about things when you feel like, you know, that is in danger. And number 18 is do not seek to possess either goods or or fives for your old age. Once again, this homie is talking about get rid of the stupid stuff, get rid of riches. Um, there's no need for those things in old age. Um, you're not gonna take them anywhere that you're going as far when you as far as when you were dead, and why collect things beyond what is useful to you? So you can see that there is obviously a repeated cadence in a lot of things, and I think it's important because all of them have some sort of grayscale into where does the line become drawn. And I think, you know, with more axioms and idioms of these things, um, you can get a clear, clear picture of who this person is, what they be- where they think. Some things can be pushed a different way as far as, you know, is uh, separation as life something that you should not be saddened by of objects, places, things of that nature. Musashi is really helping illustrate what exactly he's mentioning and talking about. And so we have number 19, which is Respect Buddha and the gods without counting on their help, which essentially I think is amazing. Um, Being, you know, um, be reverent to the gods in ways of belief, um, but not count on their help. And I think this is also kind of hearkening back to think lightly of oneself, but deeply of the world. Being, you know, have so much respect for the things outward of you, but always rely on yourself to learn, grow, progress um, because it doesn't make much sense to. And, you know, this is kind of like logic about the, you know, regardless if they were that, what if should then eliminate that for reliable source, uh, you know, a source of uh, like in a variable in equation, how am I going to solve this problem? It always should the thing I control the most, which is me in this scenario and rely on that the most when solving a problem. And I think that's what Musashi is talking about. And also I think that, uh, you know, see, this is, see, uh, in my criticism, I think that in modern times, there's a lot of, you know, God helped with this or, you know, the, uh, you know, God gives you the, you know, gives his soldiers the hardest times that can handle it. And I think once again, this is just saying you, you have to be okay with the situation you're in. Of course, more fati, um, have no regrets, but also know that you are in this situation to help yourself out. Nobody else will come helping you when doing. And so that's what I think 119 is talking about. And we have 20, which is you may abandon your own body, but you must preserve your honor. And I think that this is mentioning or likening back to the extreme, extreme thoughts and, you know, seriousness that the Japanese people have when it comes to honor. And it is one thing that lasts longer than your body is what Mushi is saying. And the word and the name that you make for yourself in ideal situations should live longer than the, the living spirit of yourself or kind of the living functioning of your body due to, you know, the way that you honored others, the way that you honored yourself and so on. And so that is what he's talking. And so 21 is never stray from the way. And this is another one that I love saying. Um, and if we've talked about this or you've had a conversation with me and I'm sure I've said it on this podcast before, but essentially I say the path is and essentially what that means is in in liking it liking in it to precept number twenty one is you will it, it'll take forever to go the path, or not forever, but your lifetime, your amount of time. That, and it's, it's almost genuinely you need to pursue it due to the fact of pursuing the path, at least for me, is obviously living up to those precepts that Musashi is saying perspective, but also being more capable than you were yesterday um being more virtuous well, harkening that back to but essentially what that is with that goal, you'll never make it in your lifetime. And it might sound sad and bleak, but once again that Chinese proverb that said the um journey is the reward and not shin. I think that's perfectly put right there with um, your pursuit of this amazing life's work, pain that the pain that it causes, the thing that is um that's also something that a lot of greats have also said and I think a lot of people share as well. Where the really amazing people at things are in love with the process, specifically like Kobe Bryant's, perfectly in love with the process and great. And you know that's that's where you can always pursue your hat on because it'll never go away as you have as long as you're pursuing. It. But. Once again, the path is lifelong. I hope you guys enjoyed though the 21 precepts of Musashi, uh, being that this was his last text and this was a week before he died. Amazing. Uh, the guy's obviously a legend in history, as a swordsman, as a philosopher, as an artist, all of those amazing things, and also a writer. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed it. I know I already said that, but I really do. i really enjoying kind of Musashi. I'm excited to do the full leadership breakdown of him. If you guys have any suggestions or leave, that you guys want. please do keep doing amazing job at the aboutcast.com or anywhere else wherever you're listening to us let us i'll be seeing you guys next time peace